Welcome to the Rock and Roll Survivors Podcast, dedicated to those in front of the curtain, behind the curtain, and somewhere in between. I'm Kristen, and because of you and your overwhelming feedback to Fanny's Rock and Roll Survivors, I'm joined by legendary rock stars Bree Darling and Patty Quattro to discuss their time in the band, those wild Casablanca years, David Bowie's contributions to the fifth Fanny album, and so much more. So let's get started. Well, I could not be more excited and honored to have none other than legendary rock stars, Patty Quattro and Bree Darling. Welcome both. I think it is so cool that I get to interview both of you because not only is this podcast named The Rock and Roll Survivors, but it's named after your fifth Fanny album, Rock and Roll Survivors. So welcome both. And I want to kick off this particular episode, Bree. You were telling me when we were talking two really funny insider stories about Nikki Barkley, the keyboardist of Fanny. And when the both of you joined, Patty and Bree, you both joined Fanny late 1973 after June Millington and Alice DeBure left. But Bree, please tell us these two stories that Nikki shared. First, the one about Diana Ross, and then <laughs> how you knew that she liked you. Should I sing Baby Love while I'm telling you the story? Yeah, you know, Nikki was a character, is a character. I haven't seen her in an awful long time, but um, we got along pretty well. Uh, but she was the queen of, I don't want to call it the backstab because it wasn't really a backstab, but she was hilarious and she could pull it off. So what she said to me at a rehearsal once up at your house um, is she, she, she said, well, we were rehearsing there with Fanny, Patty was there. And she said, you, you know, you remind me a lot of Diana Ross. And I didn't know what to think of that. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I, I of course knew who she was and, and grew up listening to the, uh, their songs on the radio, their hits. And so I just, you know, said, oh, okay, whatever. And then, you know, a couple of days later, maybe it was just the next day, this is a while ago, um, just during, while we were talking about music or something else, she says, I hate Diana Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so this was her 24 or 48 hour insult to me. And I was, and I, I, I was taken aback. I didn't quite know what to say. And I had to stop and think if I remembered if I'm hearing it correctly. And uh, I mean, and she was an artist at that as well as other things. <laughs> and then uh, I don't know if this is the other story, but there might be a few. So here's something else she did. She uh, didn't get along well with, I guess a lot of people know with June and, and, and maybe Gene yeah. and Alice. And she said, you know, I really like you. And uh, she said, it's because I just, you're not tall and beautiful. <laughs> In reference to Jean, June, and Alice. So, okay, I guess I'll take that. Thanks, Nikki. But we did get along fantastically. I, I got yeah. really angry with her one time and one time only. I had a couple of margaritas in me. We were playing on stage and... In the heat of the moment, she threw a tambourine and hit somebody in the face. I don't know if you remember that, Patty. No, and I don't. They actually got tambourine slashes in their face. Oh, my God. And I was, it made me angry. But, you know, in hindsight, okay, in, in 50, 60 year hindsight, I don't think she did it intentionally. It was just no. one of those things where she was excited and threw it and it hit him, you know. And, and it hit someone, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Nikki was a, 
I don't know. I never had that head banging problem with her. She was a hoot and I suppose she could be difficult, but you know, who, yeah, who wasn't? <laughs> well, I never had any issues with her at all. I mean, I got along great. We bonded over the music. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, we did, we did too. You know? to say. Yeah. Yeah. We did too. Like her funny insults to me were just, they were kind of funny and very clever. Yeah. I appreciated it. Very clever. Yeah. Very clever girl. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I I really appreciate the fact that you can laugh at her. Her. Yeah. That's what you yeah. want to call it, sense of humor. But I mean, absolutely. And she was quick. She is absolutely a quick wit. Yeah. She oh, was yeah. a. a, a cool. She was is whatever. Really, really smart. You know, I the last time I saw her was not in Fanny. I had a boyfriend in England in the '90s when I was touring with Robert Palmer, and a friend of his knew her. And I got on uh, 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 the subway or whatever it is they call it there. And I went to visit her and went to a club where she was playing and singing. And she was even better. She was fantastic. She looked great. Wow. And, yeah. Oh, wow. good for her. I am. I love hearing. Oh, so happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That's she was great. She was, you know, she uh, just her. You could tell how clever and witty and bright she was just reading her lyrics. She, yes. she was into it and she wrote insightful, meaty lyrics, you know, not just all about love, love, love. She just picked out things to write about that were amazing. I thought she was very good. Yeah. And especially so, when I yeah. think back to that time when a lot of people were just getting their bearings on being creative and songwriters. Yeah. She had it. She had it down already. I she had think, it down. Yeah. In my opinion, Fanny would not have existed without Nikki. I don't think it would have become what it almost became back in the 70s and yeah. is known for now. I think that's all due to Nikki. Uh, and not to say that the other people weren't important, but you know, she lifted it out of like being a garage band or a copy a band. working band. Yeah. She added more. She, lifted it. she lifted it. She lifted it into being an artistic band with solid writing. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I agree. And I mean, that goes back to your, Fanny album, Rock and Roll Survivors, which yeah. was this idea of the older Fanny had all but disbanded, except for Gene and Nikki. And this idea now of, are we going to continue moving on? And it was Nikki, I believe, Patty, you shared with me the idea that she came up with the idea. No, it was my dad and Neil came up with this Rock and Roll Survivors. This oh, I didn't know that. And it was um, Nikki who then penned the song Rock and Roll Survivors based upon this idea of, you know, you're going to survive. You left Reprise, Warner Brothers, and now you're in this new version of Fanny and you're coming out of it and you're survivors. And you know, I, I wanted to point something out because you said, you know, it uh, how did you just say it that the uh, the, the the original Fanny dis what did you say it fell the, apart or the older version of Fanny all but disbanded. OK. I just want to put a spin on that. I don't think the band disbanded. I think it grew into something else because Nikki and Jean, you know, to me, the, the, the monsters of the group, not to say, and I'm not saying anything uh, bad about June or Alice. I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, but so they grew it. And then Nikki was allowed to not be held back by having to compromise so much. She got to grow as she was inspired, I guess, by your dad and Neil, um, into what else she could create. So I, I don't think of it as disbanded. 
I think of it as clarified. Hold on, Patty, one sec, because I just want to clarify what I meant. I meant when June and Alice left, that version of Fanny was disbanded. So Nikki and Jean come and say, we're moving forward with this. Yeah. You know, that was the the main thing that Nikki and Jean expressed to me. I don't know what Jean told you when she called you Brie, but both of them, I mean, Jean, went on and on about how they wanted to rock harder. They wanted to move in a new direction. They had no reason to quit. They wanted to continue on. And they were very excited about a new direction. And that's why Nikki and I bonded so heavily over the rock opera, because yeah. we I had been writing about social gender issues in Cradle, and I brought some tunes, and then she started writing like a champ for the whole rock opera. And they all came together in these meteor issues that, are still important today. I mean, it's just how she thought in her mind. So well, we before, but bond heavily over that. Yeah, we're, we're all getting ahead of ourselves because it's so exciting. <laughs> I want to, if we could just pull back a little before we get to the rock up. Go right? ahead, go ahead. Okay, so I was looking at some chronology here, historian that I am, and I'm actually really shocked and even more impressed with the two of you coming into Fanny because so it's 1973 let's set the stage here and Scooter Leslie who I know you're both Facebook friends with I am too who was a former DJ and he was really into pushing rock and roll survivors at the time he recently sent me a poster from an outdoor concert with the older Fanny 1973 in um, October 6th so then Jason Pollan, who is a huge Fanny fan, both versions, huge. And he's, a, I mean, he's all but an expert on, on all of you. He then said that the older version of Fanny was playing all the way up until November of 73. That means that you two joined and within weeks were getting ready for your whiskey house gig, which had already been booked with the older band. And it was Boxing Day, December 26th through December 31st for New Year's Eve that you were booked at Fanny. So you, if we do this timing right, you had less than three weeks to get ready at this new version and perform live at the Whiskey. And I would just love to hear both of your thoughts on getting ready for this epic moment. It was was pressure. We had to get together a set with all new people. I mean, you know, it's hard enough starting a new band. And we we did uh, You're the One. We picked out some Fanny songs. We did You're the One, and I added some moody lead parts to that. We had to do Ain't That Peculiar, and I had to learn slide guitar in three weeks. I mean, come on. I, I had a blast doing it, though. It was fun. I found it fun. And Young and Dumb and Charity Ball, where we all took a little lead solo. We did uh, Blind Alley. We did I'm Satisfied. And we did um, the New Year's Eve countdown to When You Dance. I remember that. And John Lennon was there, and he stayed for the whole thing. And we played Oh Darling. It was an exciting night. But Patty, we have to pull it together. (laughs) Patty, a question. Is that when we did uh, When You Dance by Neil Young? Yes. Yeah, and, and we I remember. counted down at midnight. You remember, and, and ten, nine, eight, and then we continued the song to the end. It was really cool. So I, I so I want to just comment. You guys' memory is so much better than mine. I do remember doing when you dance because it was giving me an opportunity to do something different, and that I got to sing. Right. Um, and and I loved it. I loved doing that song, and I didn't realize that's when it came from. And I actually. Don't remember, although Patty, did we rehearse for this at at, at uh, 
Roy's house? Was that what we were? Sure. I'm not sure we we had moved to that office building, but we we had to put it all together. I think we did the office building after the whiskey because then we were first for three months to go on the U.S. tour. So okay, so this is in. So let me just clarify: this is in 1973, uh, New Year's Eve when we did the whiskey. Yes, but it was it was 20 December 26th, day after Christmas through the 31st. A which was a week yeah. earlier than what we originally thought. I, we originally just were thinking you only did New Year's Eve. So oh, okay. if Bri- if um, June and Alice left in, let's say, sometime in November, I mean, I don't even care if it's the beginning of November, that means you had three and a half to four weeks to prep. See and how freaking good we are. Exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, we pulled it together. I mean, who does that? Four people, two of them knew. I mean, come on. But, you know... I remember looking back at, you know, the whole list of gigs we did, too, and they played a lot, almost like a house band, the earlier one at Whiskey. They would play like a few days at a time and not always on the road doing some exciting, you know, thing with a star, which they did plenty of, too. But they did a lot of gigs at the Whiskey. I think that's why we were booked. They probably expected them to play it. And it ended up being the new incarnation. So that's how it happened. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. So we actually got together to reform the new version in November. Yeah. Sometime in November, played December. And then the next year, 74 is when we began to. Yes. Uh, and we're going to get to there because okay. I have the list for you. But I want to go back to Patty. You had said that John Lennon was in the audience and I was looking it up. And that means that he he did bring a date and it was May Pang. It was not Yoko Ono. Yeah. So that's interesting that she was there as well. Would love to hear if she had any mem- has any memories about seeing all of you live at the whiskey on New Year's Eve. That would be way cool. But Patty, you made this kind of off the cuff comment that John Lennon was walking around at the whiskey wearing a Kotex on his head. What does that mean? I mean, I know what that I means. Know. I have no idea. It was drunk. You know, he did it more than once. I mean, John was funny. But the whole vibe was amazing in the club. It was jammed. We had a packed thing and it was an exciting night. I mean, for one of the first gigs. I mean, wow. I, I thought he was there with Harry Nilsson. I think he was there with Harry Nilsson and May Pang. He and, might have been because they palled around together. Right. And I wrote him a note. Um, I don't remember what I said. Some, something probably really stupid, and had the uh, a, a waitress deliver it to him. And I don't know if he ever got it, but it was. I just needed to maybe comment on his cotex. Can I use that for my drum pad? <laughs> my oh, drum I damper. It. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's hilarious.